Welcome to Talk About Town, a podcast about real estate and some other stuff. And now, your hosts, Mal and Neil. And we're back. Welcome, folks. This is your host, Mal. And Neil. What's up, Neil? What's going on, Malachi? Living the dream, brother. And we have a special guest in here today, John Clark from Kentucky and a title. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. Yeah, welcome, John. Thanks for being here. Uh, he's going to delve into here a little bit more stuff on the back end for people that are concerned, especially real estate agents, if you like to hear the stuff that goes on behind the scenes when they're running title search, cloud on titles, all that stuff that we learn in real estate school that we never end up using because they do that stuff. But uh, he'll get into that here in a little bit. But today, as far as on the ticket for the part of other stuff, we're going to talk about, we got the Masters where Tiger did his thing. Derby's coming up. Derby is coming up quick. Everybody. That, that, that not only affects the real estate market, which we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but I mean, it does. But And then we've, we've got all the, the festivities. Different people do different things every year. Um, Easter's coming up. And then all kinds of, I got some, yeah, beef. I got a bird story. Again. You got a bird story. I got some, uh, <laughs> tomato stories and bee stories, heartbreaking stories. I haven't even told you. About it's that. horrible. It's, it's the worst, but, um, anyways, that's, what's on the, the docket. So let's just jump right into some numbers. I know all you out there like to hear some numbers and we have our year to date stuff. So what do you have over there, Neil? Well, the entire area that we work is down 6.74%. For the and month and for the year, right? For the month and for the year. The year seven. So the year over year, March 2018 to March 2019, it's down. However, look at the average selling price. <laughs> I know the, the the volume's down, the price is up. That's still, I mean, that was compared to, I mean, 2018 was a hot market, which, yeah. I mean, record setting in most cases. And then right now, the numbers aren't what they were last year at this time, but the prices are still going up. up that's that's and, uh, Econ 101, uh, isn't it? Supply and demand. Supply, it is. supply and demand. Do you see that? I know we were talking before we started, but do you see that in at your end when the volumes are down and I guess the prices come up? You know, appraisals become a big issue when that happens. It, it's exactly right. The homes that people are looking for typically are. 150 to 250,000. There's yeah. less of those out there. So some people will step up as rates drop. You'll see that people can afford more of a home. So that does drive the prices up considerably. What about refis? Or, or right now, I know it's spring to refis. Is that a big factor right now at all? Yeah, I'd mentioned to you guys before the podcast that our numbers are up almost 40% over this time last month. And 30% of those numbers are refinances. Because rates, really? rates are low. Rates drop. Rates yeah. drop a ton, and it's going to mean more closings for you guys as well, as long as we can get an inventory uh, folks to buy the home. That's right. It, the, the inventory really is a problem. I had some guys that had a few houses that they got into bidding wars with, and we didn't win them, and we were very competitive. And I had an agent say, hey, listen, I've got one I haven't listed yet. Would you like to check it out? That's awesome. And we're, we're supposed to close on it. With John, hey, all nice. right. on a Saturday. Ooh, we do Saturday closings. Oh, there's a big plug. Nobody does it. <laughs> no, no, they don't. And I, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for John for doing that, and for that other agent for offering us the chance to uh, have a, a less competitive situation. That's cool. Um, what about so that is 
when you look at all MLS areas. So that's that's everybody um, that's that's on our MLS. It even breaks it down further. Jefferson, Oldham. Now, Bullitt. if you look at if you look at Oldham County, though, it's up. Volume is up twenty two point eight six percent. It's hot out there. Oldham is, and then look at Bullet. That's a significant decrease. Yeah, it really 17%. is. percent You know, when I work with a buyer that wants to live in Bullet County, I, I, I get a little worried. There's just not much to buy out there. And there's tons of land out there, so I guess development is coming, but just slowly, maybe? Yeah, and I think, and I, I'd have to delve into the numbers a lot, but I think there needs to be more affordable options for first time home buyers especially. Oh, I have I have like three buyers that are pre approved and at their price point normally three or four years ago they could afford almost anything. Now, I mean they're lucky I mean it's hard they can't even get a house right now. And the house that they can afford, it's not what they're looking for. Well, on new construction the problem right now is the cost to develop is almost 40% more than what it was five years ago. Oh, really? And the cost to build the home with the wood packages, the lumber, the, the concrete is a, a significant increase. So building that affordable home has been very difficult for builders. So it's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> not just not just the buyer, but the, the builder, the developer, everybody's feeling it. That's... Yeah, and if it costs more for the lot, the home's going to cost more. Right. If it costs more for the, for the materials, of course, the home is going to. I would say a trickle down effect, but I guess it'd be a trickle up effect. Everything just more, 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 and like you said, that just leads. That's it's just another product too, of not being able to. You know, there aren't any, any existing homes, so when people are trying to find, I bet that I haven't really dealt with lots that I mean that often, but I wonder if there's issues when a nice lot comes up, the same type of deal. Um, I don't know if they have bidding wars or multiple you know, offers, I, but I don't know. I, don't know. I listed a lot. Um, recently but there was competition with it was in bullet county really and there were some newer lots and there was competition because this was not a new lot so there are some new lots that are pretty hot right now between shepherdsville and mount washington oh there you go and people don't typically buy lots they most most typical buyers depend on the builder Right. Show them the home. And the builders builders are the ones that typically will compete on those lot prices because if they can get that lot price down and build a more affordable home, they will. So uh, a lot of your builders are out there competing to get those cheaper lots. And the smaller builders are having a difficult time because it costs so much to develop a mm -hmm. subdivision. And I'm also finding, too, that people are willing to live further, like commutes vehicles that, that's all changed in the last i mean 20 years or so but people are willing to make that 45 minute drive the the 50 minute the, like they're okay with that now i guess because fuel economy i don't know, all that combined they're willing to move a little bit further out like my brother he's that's that's who we're, we're closing your place but it's in willisburg i mean oh that's Will willisburg that's a good grip but it's a new construction home and it's just they're doing a new development in there i think they're the the third house that's being developed, but you wouldn't even think people would even consider that. But like I said, they're, they're willing to make that. F I always said when we built ours, 45 minutes would be my max. I mean, if I'm in a car an hour each way, that, that, that would start to add up. I can do 45, 30 would be great, but 
we're right at that. I think you're. I think we're like forty two minutes. From, yeah, from right well, you, here. You know, my wife, uh, who works now regionally for Amazon, was driving an hour and a half each way to a, a site. Wow. In northern Kentucky. Now she didn't mind it, but everybody else would be like, "Oh, you poor thing." But no way. She was okay with it, really. Well, you've got a couple of reasons for that. You people can work from home a couple of days a week, so right. it does. Right. It does take that commute time away a little bit. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And then, too, if I knew it was temporary, like if it's for a year or yes. whatever, that would be no big deal. But forever, uh, who was it? My buddy in high school, his mom, she just retired from Toyota. She made that drive from Shepherdsville every day to Georgetown. Or where's uh, – Yeah, Georgetown. Yeah. yeah, every day, you know. That's another – that's like an hour and a half right. commute one way until she retired. And there's just – I can, that ain't, that's not in me. I just couldn't do it. It's a long way. It is. She yeah. did a lot of books on tape and stuff, and kind of used it as her studying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we and we drive. I, we we cover every county in Kentucky and Indiana and Tennessee for that matter. But I drive to a lot of those closings, and it's it's peace and quiet for me. I'm away from my desk. It's relaxed time. Yeah, you I, know, I use it to my advantage. If the weather's bad, it's oh, not as fun. If the weather's nice, it's great. Yeah, we're a wreck. <laughs> or if you have traffic like you had this morning. Oh, that's right. Double the time. Unfortunately, yeah. someone lost their life. Yeah, no thank you. Here. It don't take much to take the water center, especially Gene Snyder, and just blow it up. One fender bender, and you're done for for about four hours. Yep. But... Uh, Anyways, all right, uh, I digress on the real estate stuff. Let's do our, uh, let's jump right into, like I said earlier, we have a guest, John Clark, Kentucky Untitled. Now we're going to hit him with our, bring it on, six pack of questions that we have for our new guest. Uh, Neil, you want to go ahead with the, the first one? Yeah, this is an easy one, John, cats or cards? Easy, you say. Come on, you, you have to oh. pick a side. I, lean, I guess you can go down the middle. I lean cats. I lean cats. I, my mom told me when I was young that I looked good in blue because of my blue eyes. Oh, that's, that's a good excuse. So I, I just don't wear any red, so it's oh. kind of hard to like a team more than another if you can't even put their color on and don't look good in I it. Always, so, I always blame it on the parents. So see, <laughs> if you're a cats fan, I'm always blaming it on the It's my sister. Ball. I think my love for the cards comes from the fact that I was about 10 years old when they won the championship in 86. Nice. And that's I got kind of into that, and that went on forever. And then... It usually happens that with other sports teams too. Like if you're a kid, some I was a Cowboys fan forever because when I was a kid, guess what they were doing? They won their three peat. They were kicking everybody's ass. So yep. guess who? I mean, when you're watching TV, yeah. I'm a yeah. Cowboys fan. So. And I was a Steelers fan. <laughs> my brother was Cowboys. I was Steelers. Oh, my sister was my sister easy. was Louisville, and I was Kentucky. I couldn't. I couldn't oh my gosh! House of my sister's team. All right. Uh, question two: Where where are you? Hometown? Where are you from? I am born, raised in Louisville. I cool. lived in just Same. about every area. Born in Shively area. Oh, hell yeah, South End. A lot of, a lot of Meade County background as well. From okay. Mom and Dad's both from Meade County. That's cool. Uh, all right. All right. Favorite food? Ooh. Favorite, like not like Italian, Mexican. Like, right. If, if you had to, if, if you're, you're on death row and it's your last meal, what are you eating? <laughs> I am eating a filet medium. All right. Good call. That's, yes, that's, I'm, I'm steak all the way and medium. That's I like my steak. I'd rather if they're gonna err on the medium, I would rather err towards the the rare side. If right. Yes. Up. Yes. Don't overcook it. If you're gonna do anything, undercook it. But, uh, Agreed. That's me. All right. So, um, favorite vacation spot? Not that, somewhere you'd like to go, but somewhere. Been. Yeah. Where you been? You've been there, or or that's where you want to go. Well, 
1989, I visited Hawaii with, who is now my wife. We were actually engaged at that time with her family, nice. and it was one of the best trips of my life. I bet. And I want to go back. But we do visit Panama City every year. It's, it's almost like home away from home. The whole city of Louisville, I think, goes to Panama. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Head, heading there June 1st. Louisville South. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Dustin. That's a, Panama or Dustin, that's where, that's where everyone that's vacations. Right. So what do you like to do in your free time, given choice? Free time. What is that? That's right. <laughs> so now we're two for two on that answer. That's the same thing Jason said. Well, I mean, everybody has free time. I probably spend way too much time on social media. So I try to create some free time by staying off of that as much as I can. Yep. That's one, that one of my Lentinal promises. I, um, I enjoy watching my daughter play volleyball. It's, it's, awesome. an every, it's an every weekend thing, pretty much, for tournaments. And I just really enjoy it. We get up at 6 o'clock on a Saturday morning and Sunday morning and go to volleyball tournaments, and, and I look forward to it. All right, well, um, last question. What's your favorite restaurant? It doesn't have to be local. I mean, it can be, but... More. It's pretty simple. Uh, I don't go there very often because of the pricing, but that filet I was talking about, <laughs> Ruth's Chris. Okay. Uh, oh, nice. Where your, your, your first bite and your last bite are equally as hot and just an amazing experience every time I go. So we go there for anniversary and a lot of times for Christmas with my office staff. And, we uh, saw you there. Didn't we see you there last year? Yeah, we last saw year your office there last, last year. Yeah, they were yeah. up there doing the same thing. One room over and had no idea. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they were over there partying. We were over there. Okay. Was, was it last year or the year before that? I can't remember. It, yeah, was, I think it was. I think it was, it was two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, we were in different different party rooms, I believe. Yeah, there. time flies. Yeah. You know. um, all right, well, let's delve into some of the – Awesome titillating stuff that we love to talk about, title insurance, all that good stuff. What John does on the back end. So let's say we can make this we can just keep this short because nobody details, but when we send you over a purchase contract, it's accepted. What's what's the first thing that's I guess done on that end? First thing. First step, we ring a a, a gong and happy happy to get the <laughs> nice. title order. And then we start the process. We put a rush on everything we do. We've got some great abstracting. That's the people that go to the courthouse and abstract the information. So they actually go down there, like to Bullock County Courthouse, and they do. They do. Um, there's a couple. Uh, a couple of the counties are online, um, but not totally. There's some delinquent taxes you have to look at. As you start with the PVA's office, um, but for the most part, the abstracts are done right at the courthouse. Uh, we do them through a third-party abstractor. They get us our title searches back typically within the next day. I thought you said something about 24 hours. You all can usually have. We do. We we um, we don't want there to ever be a delay because of our office. And when it gets to us, we like to Expedited. get it done quickly. Yeah. We get it back to our lenders quickly. If it's a cash purchase, we can close usually within the same week of receiving the purchase contract. Um, it gets everybody paid quicker, and it also comes up with problems. Um, that can be worked on a little more efficiently. So if you have that title search back and you do have some delinquent taxes, you have uh, mortgages that are unreleased. Uh, Is that typical problem? I was going to ask, like, what's typical, like, normal it, they, problems they come you in, incur? It's funny. They come in waves. When the Unrecorded market, deeds? I, I don't know. Is that ever? I have no idea. We that. have those. We have people that, that sometimes will try to sell their house and the deed is not even in their name. So, oh, wow. You know, you as an agent, you almost can't take that listing if the, if the people don't own the property. Sometimes it's in an estate's name. Sometimes it's it's a will that maybe hasn't been recorded. And they think they own the property, but of 
county record, they don't. That's all I do on our end. Like if you're going to take a listing, which we coach all that is all the questions, especially if it's in a state, get all that up for the paperwork, ask all those questions. You should have all that. If you do a good job on the beginning, it saves. And, and I take, that. I take calls on the weekends at nights. I've got, you know, when you meet with your clients, I'm available. Um, we get a lot of questions about, uh, estates, uh, you know, deeds, spouses with, with marital interest in the property that, and people want to know, most of my realtors want to know the answer before they accept that mm-hmm. listing. So right. to avoid all that, I guess, to avoid all the hoops to jump, because there's so many hoops to jump through once you get to an estate or it depends on how many people are involved, but I forget, isn't there one of them has to sit for 30 days or whatever, if, uh, if it's an estate or a will maybe. The, yeah. If you have to get an order from the court, court sometimes will have to, if the, sometimes the wills will, will give, uh, an executor and executrix, uh, power to sell. But if it doesn't specifically state that they have a power to sell that property or real estate, then the court has to order it. I doubt, I doubt with the transaction with that, when I represented some buyers and it was an estate and they kept asking me why the heck we can't close. And I said, the court said we can't yet. Well, yeah. and you want to, you, and you want to close the property out of the estate. You don't want to close it in the heirs names because those heirs may have liens against them personally. And those would attach to that property. If we close it through the heirs names, through an affidavit of dissent. So you want to always, if the probate is open, you want to get the correct order and then just be patient and wait 30 days. How many, do you have a record? I think we had a closing one time with you all that I think there were like seven siblings that were that were all on, on the sell side. And uh, we had to wait for someone to come from across the state and all that. What, uh, do you have like a, an all-time record of like 15? It had to be split you know, checked. Everybody gets a hundred bucks at the end, you know, and everybody wants it that day. I don't think I've counted the number of people, but we have had to use two separate conference rooms and each one hold, you know, 10 to 12 people from because you have spouses in Kentucky, it's it's a it's a dower state, so you yeah. have a spouse that has to sign their interest away. So, you know, if you've got seven heirs, you typically probably got close to fourteen people that actually have to sign the deed and have to show up with their ID and be notarized. So, it becomes monotonous. And we've we've had situations where they they wanted to come in all throughout the day. So we have people that will actually just trickle in to sign the deed all hours of the day during our business day. So. Um, it creates almost a, a separate closing every for every one of those transactions. And everybody wants their check before it's all, you know, nobody's leaving without their $187 check. Once That's it's right. All split up. Yeah. That's exactly uh, right. Speaking of separate closings, we were talking about that. What what do you think your percentage is that you have on separate closings? That, that's got to be common. It has, I mean, or is it? No. It's become more common. Really? Um, you know, the, the government almost made it to where we had to have separate closings um, just because of the privacy laws. But uh, we don't. We don't discuss customers' social security numbers or anything in front of the other clients, for the buyers and sellers. Um, for a while there, when, when TRID first came out, we thought that we were going to have to have two separate rooms for buyer and seller. Was that just a rumor? That people it, were... it, was, it was everyone was afraid of, of what the government was trying to do, and it got to the point where, where we just made common sense, went out. And if someone is um, uncomfortable with their interest rate. That was going to be my, I was like, interest rates got to be the only thing that's really discussed in the open right there. Well, it is, but there are some you can documents. You can point to it and be like, here's your interest rate and just kind of leave it at that. I mean, exactly. There are some documents though that have social security numbers on them. And you know, you get somebody across the table that, um, they really don't care, but they are in the same room. Um, you know, the numbers aren't discussed, but, 
uh, we do have we do have some clients that that they don't want their personal business in front of anyone. Well, and and we had discussed with you earlier that fraud is a big part of what you deal with. It is fraud is is um, it's not as bad in Kentucky as it is in some of the um, the larger metropolitans. I mean, Chicago uh, fraud is 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 prominent. I mean, we we've got um, we've had a couple of deeds that have that have had an issue with with. Some people that came right. here from Chicago to uh, buy property in Kentucky, and they were using common names to buy property. Uh, John Smith, uh, uh, John Clark, which is like me. Right. I, know, I know, I personally know three John Clarks. <laughs> and, what, and what happens is they, they show an ID that shows that their name is John Clark, and they try to sell a property that they don't own. Now everything is public record, so you can pretty much look up any, any county in any state uh, their courthouse records and find a deed with a common name and try to commit fraud that way. So Kentucky took it upon themselves to require middle, full middle names on deeds uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, some people don't have middle names, but, uh, you know, there's not as many Robert John Clarks as there are John Clark. Right. So if I take title of the property, it's in my full name. So the more names you put on your deed, um, the less right. attempt to fraud you. And, and we were talking uh, the other day about email fraud and email scams and how people are out there watching for it. And um, without going into too much detail about it, though, um, you said there were a couple things people need to make sure that they do to avoid that. And I think that'd be good to, to let you people do. hear. You're right. Um, and I, I just took a continuing, continuing education class on that subject because it is very, very relevant in our business today. And the Secret Service agent that was there to speak uh, on behalf of, uh, it was through um, Fidelity National Title, they put this class on. He said that 100% of every MLS transaction in the United States, there's an attempt to hack an email, whether it be the seller's name, because everything's public record, or the listing agent. And they, they start from the very beginning listing because they have access to those online records. And they will sit, they will sit, and once they have access, because most, a lot of realtors use their personal email addresses, a lot of individuals use personal email addresses. Most of your businesses have some securities in place, but if you're going through Gmail, Hotmail, you know, Yahoo, those emails are not 100% secure. So what they try to do is they try to attempt to have you wire funds to a different account, either an offshore account or an account that does not belong to the title company. And when those funds are wired, they're gone. They're gone. You've got a 24-hour period to try to get those back. <laughs> Banks are working a little closer with the Fed right now because that's becoming very prominent. 2016, there were just a few hundred thousand dollars lost. 2017, it was up to almost almost a billion dollars lost oh, in wire fraud. So how do we protect ourselves as a consumer? Well, if you're dealing with a realtor, most of the agents, it has to be kind of on the home front. But the very first meeting, uh, discuss that with the client. Let them know that we, we won't ask you to wire funds because they send these emails that look like they are legit. They have a spoofed email account from, from either the agent, the title company, the lender, and it just they, it looks exactly right. And they assume that this is a... Um, an email that's legitimate from the real estate agent asking them to wire these funds to this account. So the best thing to do is cover that up front and then make sure that they, before they wire any funds that they call the title company or they call the realtor directly and make sure that that email came directly from them 
and not from another source. Right. We, we, we personally had a, a customer, the first time home buyer, that received an email from his mortgage broker with wiring instruction, and the mortgage broker never sent the email. So uh-huh. somebody's email was hacked, and this customer did not pick up the phone and just simply call. Because to send a wire, it's, you have to go it's to the process. bank. Yeah. It's a process. You have to confirm everything. And there's no reason that you could not make a, pick up the phone and call just to confirm that that is the exact wiring instruction. I would think before I sent like 200 grand, I would just make sure that everything's legit on the up and yeah. up before I hit send. I wouldn't just be like, oh, okay, well, if you want it, there you yeah. go. There's my money. <laughs> well, these, these, these uh, fraudulent hackers and, and um, thieves is really what they are. They know that most people don't buy a house every day, every year. Right. Sometimes every five to ten years. So the processes have changed. They don't know that they're not supposed to wire the funds. Indiana has a has a a, a wire funds requirement. Anything over ten thousand dollars has to be wired. So that state is really getting hit hard with these wire fraud attempts. Because there's so many of them. I guess exactly. And Kentucky does not require wire. We we'll take a certified check still or a cashier's check from a title company. So you know. Tell your customers immediately up front if it's a Kentucky property. We won't even ask you to wire any funds. If someone asks you to wire funds, it's probably an attempt to steal your money. That's great advice. Um, we have at the bottom of our emails a disclaimer that we're not going to ask you to wire funds. And from talking to you, it really, the gravity of that situation seemed even more dire than, than just a little warning. My mind's still blown at 100%. Yeah, 100%. Like every listing you put on, like I just, it blows my mind that fraud is attempted on. And there, there are a lot of things you can do to prevent this, to maybe offset it. But you have to think to yourself, these hackers are actually getting into our government's computers. Yeah. There's, there's no reason to think that they're, that your email is that secure. So before you send anything out, make sure you have a secured email format. Um, you know, we send settlement statements to you as the real estate agents, you know, day before, two days before closing. Well, that gives information about this transaction. It shows the bottom line due. So if someone's email has been hacked, they can, they have the address, they have all the parties' names, they have the amount that's due, and they can produce a, an email, a fictitious email to your client and ask them to wire those funds to an account. So they'll have the exact amount, they'll have the address, and they will use that information. They're, they're very, very skilled and what they do. Some of these countries, that is the job that, that these, these technology uh, graduates have when they come out of college, where it's illegal to do the hacking in the United States. It's not in some of these other wow. countries. That's crazy. Um, we could probably talk about that for the next five or six hours, especially something that affects both of our industries so much. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. What about... Um, Title insurance. Uh, we can keep this on our con our, our offer sheets. When we go to write an offer, it has a box in there that says, "If you would like, I don't know the whole verbiage, if you, but if you, you dec- sign here it, to decline it, yeah. Why would why would anybody want to do to refuse it? I mean, I don't understand the the plus to that. It's a cost. I mean, title insurance is not cheap, but it is a one time fee. If you have a loan, if you have a if you are actually getting a loan and borrowing money. You will get a discount if you buy an owner's policy because the lender is going to force you to buy a lender's policy. And the reason they do that is because there is a risk. Right. They, don't, they don't take that risk. So why would you take the risk? If one of your biggest investments you've made in your life, why would you not pay a few hundred dollars mm-hmm. to protect it? And that, that protection lasts as long as you live and it passes down to your heirs, as long as you have that property in your family's name. It's a one-time fee. 
and it protects for anything that could have happened in the past, things that you just you wouldn't even think of. We, we had a, a customer that bought a piece of property, so they thought it was listed as a 10-acre track. It ended up being two five-acre tracks. When we ran the title search, they gave us an address. They didn't tell us the acreage. We ran a title search, found a five-acre track with that address. That was transferred at closing. When the customer got the tax bills, they could not figure out why they only had five acres on their tax bill. They thought they bought 10 acres. Well, the seller was going through a nasty divorce, and the ex-wife received the tax bill for that other five-acre tract, which had a pond and part of the fence, and it was oh, this sounds good. part of the value. Well, she wouldn't sign her interest over. She wouldn't do a deed of correction. So what happened was, is as an agent, make sure that when you're selling a property, that you list, if there's acreage, list the, list the number of acres, list the amount of acreage. Um, if you have a deed booking page, that's even better. That, sell, that says exactly what you're selling. Um, this, in this situation, they bought an address and we transferred that address that had the house and the address. Damn. But they, but they yeah. expected another five acres. And nowhere in the contract did it say 10 acres. That's or awesome. we as a title company would have caught that. So they're still in court over that five acre track. Right. And um, that, you know, so there's an encroachment right now. But uh, that's a perfect situation, an example of, you know, we're dealing with human. There's human error. Um, even even the title company previously, we had a deed last week that the legal description was missing an entire call, and it went back three deeds. So some title company or some title attorney at one point in that uh, transaction with, uh, you know, 30 years ago, went back 30 years, they made a description error on the legal description. So the wrong property has been transferred, or at least not the entire property parcel has been transferred three or four times. So we had to go back and do a deed of correction and find where the property did not close because of a meets and bounds uh, error in the title examination. So those things happen. You're dealing with people. Uh, We have clerk's offices that sometimes have people that don't want to do their job and they won't record on a timely matter. So you'll have a lien that maybe will will supersede a a deed or a mortgage. So you really, it's, it's totally out of your hands. Uh, and it's your property, and you assume that the title company did their job, and most of them do. They do a great job. But if it's something that's out of their control, a spouse not signing their interest way, or um, you know, a, a lien against a previous owner. Kentucky's a dour state, like I said, so any spouse would have to sign their interest away. Well, if a spouse has been married three different times and have had three different names, the title company doesn't know to search judgment liens on Jane Smith. When now she's Jane Jones, right? So that lien against Jane Smith would still be a valid lien against the property you own, and the title company has no idea to even search her name. So that those kind of things that, that are out of your control that you have you have no way of finding if they if they do show up, your title insurance protects you for those type of claims, but it also pays your legal fees. People don't know that that you have to defend yourself, and I don't know if anybody's dealt with an attorney firm lately, but. Even to have a retainer, you're looking at five or six thousand dollars to even look at your case. Well, title insurance would would cover that. You wouldn't be out any money. So all that leads to get title insurance. Buy an owner's policy. <laughs> Couple hundred bucks. <laughs> Buy the policy. That's the best. You're going to spend so much money on every other aspect with homeowners insurance, with appraisals, inspections. Spend the extra few dollars and protect your biggest asset. Okay. okay. So when I when I sit down with my buyers, I'll just tell them to listen to this podcast 
because I, I don't know all that. I'll just say, here, listen to this, and it'll explain That's why right. you should spend your couple hundred. Don't initial that box is all I have to tell them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, speaking of signing stuff, what about – we talked about this a little bit the other day. We'll try to keep it concise today, but electronic signatures on our end – we use, I probably use electronic signatures for 95% of my deals. Yeah, almost maybe. all of them are. Yeah. And on, in your game, we were saying it's it's a positive for us. It may not be exactly a positive for your side. Because other states, you said, can close here. Um, uh, electronic signatures are great. You do not have to meet face-to-face with a customer. I mean, they, they have to go in and, and initiate their secured um, emails, passwords to prove that it's them, and that's great. And same thing with closing documents. What's going to happen with these electronic signatures is going to be wonderful at the closing table where customers can actually look at documents ahead of time, uh, approve those documents before they even get to the closing table. But there are certain documents in the state of Kentucky that still have to be notarized, and those could not be electronically signed. Um, prior to this new House Bill 114, it's actually Senate Bill 114, that just passed that allows any title company outside the state of Kentucky to actually notarize documents at the table. So they're not present at the table with the person that's in that state, and the state of Kentucky now is recognizing that as as an actual legal document that can be recorded as, as an original. And I think that's going to lead to some, some fraudulent... More fraud. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was going to say. I, I just hear more fraud. <laughs> yeah, I'd say stay tuned on that for sure. And it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt local businesses as well because that's a, that's a fee that we typically uh, you know, will charge as a closing fee. There's a notary part of that as well and the recording fee of that. But it, it is going to affect every title attorney's office, every title company's office in this state um, because that has been passed. So a company in Michigan doesn't have to have any um, tax-paying dollars here. Every dollar that I collect in my company, I was gonna say it's gonna I, affect I, I pay, pocketbook, right? I pay taxes. It's gonna affect the state's right. income as well on taxes. They don't think they realize that when they pass this bill. Who's or why did somebody even bring this bill? I mean, what's the benefit of it? I guess I, I don't think they they thought it through. I mean, there was a, a big a big lobby to to try to at least put a, an amendment in there that said that they had to be present at the closing. Electronic signatures are great, but if, if you had someone present at the closing, an actual notary at the closing, that would be fine. They could, they could sign it electronically, but they physically witness this person um, accepting that, that mortgage or that deed. Um, that's what they try to do, but the, uh, I guess the legislature didn't, didn't look at it that way. They, they want to get in with the times. They want to be like everybody else. And like I say, I think it's going to open the door for some so what we'll we'll use electronic signatures to get under contract and then we'll do electronic wiring of the funds and electronic signatures for our closing so we'll all just close while we're sitting at home and won't even have to leave their house then we'll just move into our new home and hopefully hopefully everybody that's on the other end is who they say they are and the money goes where it's supposed to go and we we'll all live happily ever after yeah i think I mean, with, with a lot of things like that technology wise we seem to move forward and then figure out the specific. Think about it later. Exactly, and it, and you want to and you you want to be proactive. You want you want to be progressive. You don't you know you want technologies to to um, you know speed up the process, and it really has. I mean, you guys can get contracts signed, get addendum signed without even leaving your office or my couch. Yeah, yeah. and that's great. 
But when it comes to the closing, I mean, I know customers, you know, they want it to be convenient for them as well, but they also, it's it's kind of an experience for people, you know. It's, it's, oh, hell yeah. I always love getting in front of clients and meeting people. That's that's the fun part of what I do is is you get to meet people. Handing somebody their keys is my favorite part of the job when you're done. And, like... and it's, it is. And I've got I've got three daughters, and, and they would just as soon uh, text you sitting next to you right. as compared to talking to you. I think I right. think it's going to affect us that much more as well because we're you know there's not going to be discussion. It's 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 just going to be uh, electronic, and it's um, it's kind of unfortunate. All right. Well, well um, like I said, we'll we'll just see how that all yeah pl- plays out in front of us because they'll be dealing with it on their end and we'll be dealing with it on our end. I mean, I guess the goal would be one day it'd be all paperless. I mean, our industry does use a lot of paper, but at still at certain points you have to be present. And if somebody's got to verify, at least look at your ID or yeah. to say who you are. I, I don't know. Well, well, you have to consider in, in Kentucky as well. Not everybody has access to the internet. Not yeah. everyone is. Kentucky has more county uh, counties than any other state. In the United States, we've 120 counties. Right. So every one of those counties have to be up to date on the technology, and most of the counties still aren't even online with their their document retrieval. So getting them to accept these electronic signatures, it's it's going to be a mess for most of these small counties in Kentucky. It's going to cost them a lot of money to get this set up. That's why we were supposed to get our new IDs like five years ago, and Kentucky is dead last. And they, st- I mean, I think they're supposed to launch like january and now yeah, we're in we have another april extension. and they just did another extension yes. <laughs> perfect example perfect example and just wait till you see what happens with these electronic notary all right all right well let's um let's transition into some we'll spend about 10 minutes here maybe on the non real estate stuff uh we talked we've we touched on it before we even got on the air but um the masters i watched the whole i watched thursday friday saturday and sunday i know oh, you said you didn't I, watch i didn't i didn't catch any of it and i'm ashamed well, I saw the finish. That's that's all that matters, I think. And it's all that matters. And the I think what's cool about it, it's good for golf because I don't watch golf, mm. but I did watch golf. The whole world watched golf. I know. Sunday. I it's know. good. It's good for the sport. But I watched it. Like I said, what's cool is like Chris is real big into golf now. I come home the other day and she had it on watching it. I'm like, man, I've hit the jackpot. I come home, my wife's like, come here, watch uh, yeah. this. Like she's watching Thursday golf, you know, on the Masters, <laughs> but uh, which nobody watches it on Thursday. But I think. The funnest day out of all four of them, like I said, you all didn't watch all of them, but Friday was the most exciting day. Saturday was more. Sunday, I mean, I know Tiger won. That was the most exciting. But everybody was like one under par, maybe 200. Nobody moved. Every time somebody would try to make a move, they put one in the water, and now they're back. Like Nobody made a run all day long. Like Tiger was there. He ended up winning by, what, one or two? I think he had two putt to win it. But um, Friday was the crazy day where the cut kept getting moved around and everybody was making, you know, seven under six. Like, all these guys were making these big runs. Friday was the funnest day because you didn't know who was. I think Adam Scott's putt on Friday, if he had made it, would have knocked out like 28 guys wow. or something because the, the cut line would have moved. Right. But he missed it, so everybody got to hang around for the weekend or whatever. But. Well, I liked on Sunday the human side of golf there. You watch uh, Tiger finishing up. He's got ice in his veins. He knows he's about to win. Oh yeah, but he he he's emotionless. He he is about to to just do his job. As soon as it goes in, he it's different and it's human story. He's celebrating with his family. You gotta yeah, love that. It was great to see that that tiger back. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it and I watched Tiger, you know, growing up and watching him do that at his age it gives me a little motivation. <laughs> jump out and say, you know what? I might get my clubs out and, and go hit a shot or two. But uh, hopefully he stays. 
Yeah, that's my only thing. Like, I mean, he's been in the top ten like all year. Like he's been right there, but just never. But it seemed like he lost that that tiger, that right. Sunday right. tiger. He, he would he would he would slip back, and, and he was okay with that. But he, you could tell it was in his eyes. He had. A, he used to beat people by so many, you know, historical number of strokes. And, well, it, and he was just a contender there for a while, but he he's coming back. It was on 16 or 17. He hit that on that par three. He stuck it up there, I don't know, eight feet or so, whatever it was. And the whole place lost their mind. And Tiger just turned around, walked back to his bag, spun around, and started staring. And uh, Molinardi was standing in front of him, whatever. And Chris was like, why isn't he lose? Why isn't he pumped up high five and stuff? Whatever. I was like, because he knows that he's standing behind him. And he knows that right now, that stare where he's all about business, he just turns, goes back to his club or his bag, turns around, looks. Everybody, that's the intimidation, knowing Tiger's over your shoulder. He yeah. also knows he can't make a 10-foot putt. So <laughs> yeah. you got to put it out there 50 feet, and he's probably got a better chance. Of His it. percentages were higher, yeah, like 20 and over versus right. like a 6- to 10-footer. You know, he, he was making longer putts better than he was the closest. I've never seen a golfer get nervous on a, on a closer putt like he does. Oh, the or who does is uh, DJ Dustin Johnson. He can't hit a four foot putt to, to win a, a major. We know golf. Golf can thank Tiger for the uh, physical fitness that you have. Some of these All guys. These guys. You look at some of these guys that look like they should play football. A linebacker, you know, defensive end. Uh, Every one of them. Corner. Well, that's what they said. A lot of these guys he's playing against. They watched him when they were growing up, and like now they're actually. That's what Dustin Johnson. Said. He's like, there's a difference in somebody roaring for me. And a tiger roar on the other side of the course. That's two totally different sounds when, yeah. when he's out there. They, they look more like athletes now than they ever did to me. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, Deion the Walrus, the guy I used to play back in the day, he was a big old heavy set dude or whatever. He was, <laughs> you know, used to, back then you can make jokes about golfers on athletes. Now, these guys are turning down scholarships to play baseball, to play, to, to play golf. And you watch their workout regimens and they're freaks. Like right. they can actually, they're, they're, they're monsters out there crushing a the ball 300 and, 50 yards it's it's unbelievable but um yeah so good for golf tiger's back well like i said hopefully he uh sticks around the way they reformatted golf this year we have like a major we have a big tournament like what five months in a row i think so every month they split them up now every month you've got a big tournament so hopefully um i mean we'll find out here in a couple weeks but uh anyways uh what about derby you got anything going on for derby because derby will be before our next show right it will be. I think it's going to be the Derby special. And heads up, everybody, we got a fun guest that's going to join us, and we're we're going Bombshell. to talk a lot about. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. We're yeah. going to talk a lot about uh, Derby stories. I think, but it's. I won't, take, a, I won't take offense to that. Yeah, he's, he he might be a little bit bigger of a guest than you. Nothing personal. I mean, he's, he's he's kind of a big deal. <laughs> not in the industry though. You're see, yeah. you're, the, you're the star of the yeah. Industry. You're the star in the uh, in the title company industry. <laughs> we're, we're talking about the world, maybe. I don't know. That's right. But yeah, uh, uh, but but the festivities of Derby have begun. Uh, Thunder was this past weekend, which is always magnificent. Weather was killer for that. It looks like the weather's been pretty good for everything for the most part so far. I don't do all the. Uh, do y'all do the bed races. You ever seen those things? The bed races where they. they I, race, I tell myself every year that I'm going to get more all involved. into it. I'm going to go to every yep, event. Yep, me too. And I've been here all my life, and I've never been to all the events. I haven't either. I'm going to change that. I'm at least try to add one every year. That would be every year. I'm like, we're. I tell, tell Chris, like, we're going to go to all of the balloon glow, the the parades. We're going to do it all because there's pretty much every day somewhere you can find some type of weird little thing, a race or you know competition or wine tastings. They have all that going on. But yeah, every year I'm like, this is the year and. 
I usually make it to maybe one if I'm lucky. Yeah, I don't know. We used to go to the boat race when I was a kid every the year. boat race? That, I that forgot was about super that, too. Cool. That was pretty good. And then, yeah, we used to always have the, uh, the the parade was always fun. We Carissa went to that, she said, when she was a kid for like 15 years in a row. Every year, the Pegasus yeah. Parade. Never missed that. I've never, never been now. to it. I don't think I've been in 10 years. I, I've never been. But yeah, no, I'm, I don't think I've ever been in the parade, but I live by uh, Bowman Field, so the balloon race oh, stuff is yeah. really cool. Oh, that's right here. Yeah. That's right here. I didn't think about yep. that. Yeah, the balloon goal. We used to go to the balloon goal when I was a kid, but like I said, I haven't been again in 15 years. And sometimes years. it's sometimes <laughs> this issue with traffic. I mean, you you know, you go to that once, and you sometimes you sit in traffic for an hour, you get there, and, and it's, the event's almost over. So, uh, you know, but the experience has always been fun and that's as a as a kid growing up that that was some of my favorite experiences the, the pegasus parade yep. and, you know we didn't do a whole lot for for derby and oaks um as you get older you, you know you spend more time partying you know, doing those parties and maybe heading to the to the track yep but especially as we're in business you know, like it's where all the business folks go thursday friday yep. at least yep well um yeah, this is going to be the year. I'm going to start going to all that. Yeah, right. Uh, all right, Easter. You got big plans for Easter. It's supposed to be 72 degrees and sunny this this Sunday. So We're hiding eggs with uh, with some family are you? kids. That's, that's yeah. what we're going to do, too. Yeah, yeah we'll, do the, we'll do the thing with mom, which is great. You know, we take that for granted sometimes. Um, yeah. My niece, though, has they've got a heated pool, and they're actually going to have a pool party on Easter this year. I've never done that. Wow. So there'll be some white bodies out there, I'll tell you. Hell, yeah. I am, I am, I am very, very... Uh, not ready for the for the uh, uh, summer yet. Let's put it that way. Oh man! All right. Well, um, I think that's all we got on the ticket. Unless John, you have any more amazing, awesome title stuff you want to talk about? <laughs> no, I don't want people to fall asleep. Yeah. Uh, okay. We bored everybody to death, but no, especially for real estate agents. I, th- I find all that stuff interesting. Maybe people don't, but who cares? It's all informational. I like it. So, well, we want to thank you for coming in, taking time out of your busy day to come over here and hang out with us for an hour or so. Neil, it's you got been great. No, thanks for having me. No, I got it. I just want to thank John too. I think it's been it's been great. I've learned something. I hope our listeners have learned something. We for we sure. aim to educate and entertain. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, that's it for me too. I don't have anything else. Um, so until next time, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. So this will be post derby, but um, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to Talk About Town. Don't forget to like and follow us on social media. Our music was composed by Andrew Codeman. Make sure to join us next time. Malachi Hadley and Neil Cox are realtors with Smith & Wilson Realty.